watch challenge on each episode we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners my name is mike went and i'm aaron spears this episode's halloween theme is continuing uh we challenged ourselves to dig into the j horror uh subgenre which is japanese horror in my mind mike before i did any googling before i did any sure. research on this one i was like okay there's like a Late '90s, early 2000s, American remake. Yes, kind of, uh, I don't know. Say problem uh, issue <laughs> <laughs> depends on your point of view on those particular movies to it. So, like, I've got it as this the, like '90s trend in Japanese horror film. That's kind of what I was expecting going into it, and uh, it was one of those where I was like, once I started digging in a little bit, I was like, all right, I'm discovering some more nuance to this than what I was actually picturing. Yeah, I mean, there there's definitely quite um a long history uh of uh of horror in in japanese film that that i found you know you know dating back to the the 50s and 60s um and uh you know some of those just might be some of those uh honorable mentions or or picks uh but uh yeah it's uh they they definitely are um very stylistic you know very beautiful looking films oh yeah sometimes they might be extremely violent and bloody <laughs> those are definitely the ones i've got <laughs> lined up. um but like i think it was i know like we both come from we both you know worked at theaters over the years for a number yeah. of years actually i was around as a actually my one of my some of my multiplex days overlapped with when like dark water with jennifer conley mm-hmm. came out but also yep. like the grudge and obviously the ring in america the gore verminsky film with uh naomi watts really kind of ignited it on the American side. Yeah. Um, those being the remakes, obviously. Uh, but it was interesting how that ended up being a trend for, for the Hollywood, like, of course, Hollywood has to remake it. Cause who the hell is going to watch subtitles? Right. Um, so it was like a remake horror trend in Hollywood, which it was kind of interesting. Also being October, I'm like reading a lot about horror films and like the horror histories and all that stuff. The, 90s studio horror that we had with like the scream and i know what you did last summer Mm -hmm. faculty well even like h halloween h2o kind of is in that that ballpark and then like that that shift which i really did enjoy that shift into like the ring and the grudge and uh dark water and all that i do remember going to the cinematech here locally in cleveland because uh john ewing was programming all the original j horror stuff yeah, because everybody was interested in like the remake stuff, so that was really cool. And actually, one of the movies I picked, even uh, I got to see on the big screen, thanks to them doing like the the let's program the origin of this trend that we've got going on here in Hollywood. But I dug it because once I got into some of the J horror I watched then, and then some of the stuff I watch now for this episode, I was really digging how it's not just like, and I'm, I'm not knocking like Scream or like I'm knocking H two O a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that that trend in american horror of just like jump scares and teenage like making sure all the music cues are great for the teens to go watch yeah um and the j-horror stuff i love the like kind of the slow burn like the psychological yeah your head element i i think i dig that a little bit more than i do some of the 90s hollywood horror stuff yeah I, i mean definitely those the 90s horror I I mean that that was a prime area of, of 
growing up for for me. So I, I do remember going to see a lot of those in the theater. You know, I, I do remember going to H2O and uh, my friend and I, of course, were, you know, we're a little bit younger, but laughing hysterically at at a certain scene in which a head starts rolling down the hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Funny but, <scene>. uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it was, I think a lot of times it was about putting those fresh faces putting a soundtrack that, that people would buy. Um, so it was more the flash over substance where yeah. I think it's an opposite with J horror is where it's like almost everything kind of works on a certain level, even though there is a bit, there's a panache and there's like uh, there's tends to be a, an artistic quality that you know might be perceived as flashy, but I think, it's because a lot of time, you know, we're not as familiar with those actors. It's, I, I don't know. It just kind of all comes together in a very creepy way in a very realistic way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even some of the stuff I was reading up on with J horror was really kind of capturing my imagination and just even reading about some of its origins and where horror, like the place that the horror film specifically genre has within different societies, I find really kind of fascinating. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's tapping into, you know, uh, societal like dreads or fears, uh, that sort of thing. One of the ones I found, like, if, let me try it this way. So, like, when you're picturing in your head, like, the original Ring or I'm not even going to try to mispronounce horribly, the you know, the original The Grudge, like, all those that came out of, like, the late, the 90s uh, J-horror stuff, some of which you may or may not be talking about in a second. Sure. Um, <laughs> there's one image that I always had in my head, and that was, like, probably like a, a preteen or maybe like a teen girl or maybe even younger with like black hair, like maybe kind of really pale, pale skinned. Like it's a creepy look. Yeah. And in doing uh, a little bit of digging in this, I found a lot of this stuff in Japanese culture came out of Japanese folklore. Like there's actually the way we'd think of like um, Baba Yaga character of like a witch or a pagan tradition. Yes. They have one called an uh, on Ryu O N. R Y O U out of Japanese folklore that ends up being like this female entity that's returning to avenge herself often has one or both eyes concealed with like hair. I was like, Oh my God, it's describing exactly what I was terrified of in these, right. in these movies. <laughs> but like, it has like this deep uh, cultural resonance because it's been around in like, you know, in, uh, in paintings and books and everything else, like, you know, predating even film in some cases, but why not pop this up in film? Cause it's terrified people for generations apparently. So now let's keep that going with film. No, absolutely. I, I think, uh, and, and there's, um, and I would not, consider myself an expert in Japanese cinema, even though, you know, I, I do know quite a few of the filmmakers, but that seems to be a trend that, that goes across a lot of genres in Japanese, you know, especially, you know, you look at the films of Kurosawa, you know, mm-hmm. goes into a lot of uh, the, you know, the Japanese myths and, and yeah. legends and all that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that it, that they would dip into that, you know, just seems like a very natural yeah. thing that they would do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you have like any first inclinations like when you you first ran across J-horror? Like when you saw The Ring or The Grudge, did you go and find the original stuff? Yeah, I mean, and that's I, I guess that kind of like jumps into I I was, you know, my one one of my honorable mentions mm-hmm. is is Ringu or or, you know, the 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 original version of the the Ring um because uh, I do remember, you know, liking The Ring quite a bit. 
But then, you know, this was, I think that it came out my first year of college. So it was really into uh, torrenting uh, movies. Um, So sorry, MPAA. Um, (laughs) uh, Please forgive me. But, uh, But ended up finding the original ring and... I or you know Ringu and uh, thought it was a pretty terrifying film. I mean, I I mean the whole concept of it of you know putting this videotape, seeing these like images, and then you know having a curse on you is you know it's kind of like I mean it's kind of a brilliant concept to begin with. But oh, yeah. the way how it's done, the original style where the Gore Verbinski version I think is is actually pretty good. But, you know, it is, you know, we kind of get slightly the Hollywood ending, I guess. Uh, But that would, I mean, the the original J-horror version is, I mean, has images that I still think about sometimes. (laughs) And, um, you know, I I think actually the the actual clip that the, the people are watching is also more terrifying than than the American version. Like it's a little more grotesque, I, I would say, um, yeah, or more frightening. And, uh, so that was pretty much in like, I was probably a, a late bloomer to, to just watching a lot of foreign films in general. Um, not until I got to college, I, you know, and I'm sure maybe that's, maybe that's a little different now, like, cause there's more things available, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was definitely, um, something that really put, open my eyes to what, you know, other cultures make in, in horror. That's true. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of an access issue because uh, the, the growing up like in the nineties and heading off to college in like the, the late nineties. Yeah. It just, it, it, you didn't have the quick access. Like I can just, I, I mean, I try not to, but like I could just, I could watch that clip from Ringu right now, like on my phone, if I was a 14 year old, you know, I was like, yeah. well that, you know, I mean, I'm, I've got those access to that and there's exposure to it, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, when you, you had to really dig it out or find it or torrent it, like you were deliberately choosing to spend your time and like, I'm going to sit down and watch this thing. Um, I feel like it was a better, better grabbing of attention back then than maybe it is right now. But yeah, I, I think, you know, just to give you a little context of my, you know, where I was like, I think one of my, the first films that I'd saw that was for, or, you know, uh, not like British uh, foreign, but uh, right. was probably Crouching Tiger a few years before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like Itu Mama Tambien or something like that. You right. know, like that was a pretty big hit. You know, so like, I don't know. I, I sometimes am a little bit ashamed to admit that. And, but but I think I've made up for it in the yes. last, yeah. you know, 20 years or so. But uh, but yeah, there was definitely some, some blind spots growing up. But I, I, I don't know. It, it's like... I, I'm it's sometimes I'm like jealous of of kids now who just have access to like so much more. Well, I mean, in the glasses half full category, we're going to get some more some really fascinating art out of that because, you know, kids that are like super into anime or anime uh, when they're like 11, 12, 13 years old, like they're they don't give a shit if they have to read subtitles, you know, if they're exactly. the access to foreign films is there. So like, oh, yeah, I've seen all the Godard movies. Now I'm ready to start film school. Like, okay, what are you going to make? Holy shit. Right. It's gonna be pretty <laughs> amazing, you know, <laughs> I, I actually I have a one of my honorable mentions is right from around the time period uh, of uh, Ringu. Uh, yeah. As well, it's actually ties up perfectly because it's the same studio. Uh, the Omega Project is the name of the studio. 
I think I have that one right. That doesn't sound right now that I'm saying it out loud, but that's what I wrote down in my notes. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Uh, yeah. They wanted to do a follow-up because Ringu was not only a hit, um, I almost said stateside, that's more like a term we use here. Ringu was not only a hit in Japan when it came out, but it had a lot of crossover appeal and obviously mm-hmm. then it was bought, you know, a remake rights were purchased by a major Hollywood studio and that was itself a huge hit. So they started developing um, another project and they brought on Takashi Miike to direct mm. a 1999 audition. Yes. Which was one of those that I caught on the big screen at the Cinematheque. And it was one of those watches where like it scarred me. <laughs> like but yeah, in that yeah. great cinematic <laughs> way, we were like, I didn't know you could do that in a movie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, so it, this was an interesting one in which uh, the, the the premise on this one is like uh, there's a, a widower with a small child, a boy, I believe, son, and his friend is like a casting agent or he's a producer. So he sets up like auditions as a way for this guy to like audition in quotes, uh, women like to find a new mate, uh, to find a new wife, a new mate, a new partner. And, you know, that's very that's a dicey situation already. It's a very objective, objectifying of women in general. And this movie really plays with that. I think it's a really interesting kind of, there's a way you could do a feminist read on this because he does find uh, a woman does capture his fancy, I guess, as you would say, and he follows her and it gets steadily fucking creepier as it goes until you're, I, I, at least I was just horrified by the ending. And then obviously I'm not going to spoil anything or anything like that here, but there's a really interesting kind of, feminist read within a lot of j-horror that i was reading about in the last week mm-hmm. or so and this one in particular you remember at the time having discussions with friends we were like yeah it's revenge for just straight up objectifying uh of, of women within the culture within blah you know you can read all kinds of stuff into it but there's also this interesting fear in this movie of male fear of female sexuality you can kind of read into as well also it's just fucking terrifying <laughs> yeah. uh, well so if you just want like the the shock value of that's fucked up. I can't believe, you know, they put this on film. Takashi Miki is definitely your guy. <laughs> from oh, yeah. The horror category. And we're not even discussing uh, like Ishii the Killer or some of his other stuff. But Audition itself, I think, is a good intro. If you liked Ringu or you liked the original um, source material for The Grudge, Audition is right up your alley. Like, that's a great, great October watch to really just creep you the fuck out. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely uh, a gem of the of J- Japanese cinema. Um, I actually really quite enjoyed his uh, most. Uh, you know, maybe he made one more recently, but I uh, it was a couple years ago called First Love. I thought was uh, was very very good. Just you know, another violent, very violent movie, but it's it's done in such like a beautiful way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with the visuals, and he's also one of those guys that, if you look up his filmography, does like four to six movies and also television a year. Like he just cannot stop. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. What else you got? The honorable mentions, Mike. One of the, you know, it over the last couple years or so um, that has kind of got this like large cult following um, is from 1977 called house. Um, uh, so house is a very, very um, interesting film. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it is a horror film, but it's, it's almost like a, a lighthearted comedy at parts. It's uh it's sometimes like you have the, there's a lot of fantasy elements to it. Uh, but but it's basically about uh, these uh, I believe it's six girls who go to their aunt's 
home and uh, you know one by one weird things start happening and and some of them start to kind of go by the wayside um but uh this is one of those films where um i had seen i i'd heard about and then saw a trailer uh for it you know that was going to be playing at at the cleveland cinematheque and it's just uh, every now and then you hear just somebody saying house house um <laughs> uh throughout the trailer yeah. like maybe like three or four times yeah house But it's such a like a Technicolor dream of a of a movie, um, and it's I'm I'm once again I I mean I find myself doing this like I'm not explaining it that well, but I would just say if you can find this film, yeah. it, which it's available on the Criterion Collection, so I'm sure it's on a Criterion streaming uh, channel. But um, this is you know it's under ninety minutes, and uh, there is like it, it's. Unlike anything, I think you could really see, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, the the filmmaker I believe just just passed away last year, and also had his like magnum opus, uh, last last film, and I, I I don't remember what it's called, but it, you know, it was like a three hour film. But um, this, you know, that filmmaker is just um, very talented in, you know, I, from reading about house is like he basically it, it was not written by him but uh you know the script was was given to him and um he had to basically beg to to make it because it was from the same studio uh toha films who did all the godzilla movies mm-hmm. uh, because like he wasn't a staff member usually you're not allowed to direct it but then he also talked to his pre-teen daughter about you know what would you like to see in a movie um and so some of the elements of this movie that that seemed kind of wild and crazy you know were were that way because it came from his young daughter himself yeah. so um so very very unique i i can't suggest it higher enough you know oh no same here i just watched it for the first time in the last maybe two years and don't worry about if you synopsized it or explained it well, because I don't yeah. think you really can. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's bonkers. It's fun. It's crazy. It definitely, uh, if you're looking for some good October stuff to watch, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in there. It actually, the the aesthetic that jumped out at me has like kind of a, and I don't mean this in the content of it, but the, the aesthetic and the approach to it is like a kid's TV show. Yeah. Like just really pop in colors and like this sense of like, play yeah to it even right. though it's really like oh did that piano just eat someone <laughs> you know what i mean like uh like a, a peewee's playhouse kind of aesthetic to it almost yeah because it like there's moments where it's like there's like this music and like happiness and then all of a sudden a cat's like vomiting blood everywhere right uh, right, right. <laughs> but not like in a david cronenberg approach and like right tv like a kid's tv approach but uh, yeah <laughs> and uh just as a quick shout out i think the one you're uh, referring to as labyrinth of cinema yes labyrinth of cinema yeah. um which is a very very uh another visual stunner yeah. you know not in the j-horror realm at all but uh i you know i would just uh, say that that that's a uh, if you're looking for something that's unlike anything else that that you're going to see here 
definitely seek that one out as yeah, well. Yeah. And clearly a passion project. He's writer, director, producer, editor. Yeah. And I looked, I looked that up while you were talking. I, I didn't just know that off the top of my head. Sure. <laughs> I the same thing. I was like, oh, what was that called? Uh, yeah. So my, I have one other honorable mention I wanted to do, and it is one that I'm going to be a little judgy here and say, unfortunately, it did get an American remake. Sure. Actually, I think it even went on to make maybe two or three in the series. Uh, and that is Pulse from 2001, mm. uh, which is uh, Kayoshi Kurosawa, no relation to the master Kurosawa. He did this movie Pulse. Um, it came out in 2001. He's the writer, the director. So it's like a story he clearly wanted to do and was really into. I don't want to do too much of a plot synopsis on it because it would take a while. Not that it's like yeah. convoluted, but it's it, he did this great. I'm a total sucker for this kind of style. In this case, he's doing a dual narrative. So he's got two parallel storylines that are moving along. And you're like, what? why are these? St-? Like, they're, clearly these two stories are telling something and they're gonna, you're waiting for them to meet. And they do meet and overlap. And then you get like, I don't know if it's fully like the third act or not, but like when they do find, finally meet, you're like, I remember just feeling like, oh, yes. Because like, like they're they're together. And then it, the, well, let say the climax plays out as like a combined story. Um, yeah. So part of it is um, in this parallel structure, there's one that the one main character is like a florist and this other guy. Uh, so there's a girl florist and there's this guy who's a student. I think he's like an economic student. And they're both experiencing kind of a ghost like a literal ghost in the machine, like it's a tech technology mm. kind of horror movie. So it's a little diff- very different from audition, but it plays into some of the other things that I've noticed within the J horror thing of like the supernatural, but also kind of combines with like the psychological um, kind of slow burn. But this one, by the time it builds up, you're, you're getting um, actually not too dissimilar from the ring. I think, cause I think it's like a computer disc that's passed around at some point in this one. Mm, so it's like, okay. There's yeah. like haunting to the technology that the folks are using. And if you watch it now, yeah, it's a little bit dated, but it doesn't, it doesn't fetishize the technology in the way that like something like on the Hollywood end, like hackers did, which is kind yeah. of, if you watch this point, but it wasn't, it's like, it doesn't revel in like, Oh, here's all the tech works kind of thing. It's just like, it's the vehicle to get the ghost, the horror story going. Yeah. But then you do get, by the time this one builds to its climax, you do get through like a burning, everything's on fire, apocalyptic Tokyo, uh, downtown setting. Um, the trailer itself has this, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling it too much, but the trailer, even the American version does, has like, I think it's like a passenger jet just like falling from the sky and crashing into the sea. Like it's, it's a big kind of disaster spectacle by the end. And you're just like, oh my God. Like it starts from this kind of like intimate, um, kind of horror that these these individuals are experiencing then the 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 two storylines come crashing together and then you get this kind of like apocalyptic like large-scale disaster movie by the end you're like oh oh shit <laughs> this is everything's really falling apart here i'm i'm curious who because like i've never really heard of this one like what who did the american remake star oh the american remake is actually i i I own the remake, but I haven't watched yet. Uh, Wes Craven wrote it. Uh, I just looked it up real quick because I wasn't, uh, I couldn't, wasn't remember off the top of my head. Kristen Bell. Oh, yes. Okay. It all came out in 2006. Um, yeah. And they also did Pulse 2 Afterlife and Pulse 3, which were straight to DVD or whatever the form. No, it would have been DVD for the format there. I didn't watch it. I bought it a while ago and I was like, eh, I'll pop it in maybe. Yeah. Soon, but. Yeah, I do vaguely remember. Yeah, I remember I that. trailers for it, but I don't. Yeah, like I said, I haven't popped it in yet, but. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the, the original, I mean, you know, Wes Craven's writing it. I'm, it may not be all bad, but 
Yeah. He didn't direct it. So maybe that's saying something where he's like, yeah, just give me the paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, the original one, like, again, if you're, you know, it's October, if you're looking for some good, um, good scares that are outside of the United States and Hollywood, I I definitely would give, uh, give Pulse a recommend. Absolutely. So what film did you end up picking? So I ended up picking one that I, I, I had a lot of fun with our, um, zombie challenge last one where it was like it was one yeah. that i'd never even heard of so i kind of went down that route of like okay i'm gonna there's go through j-horror i want to pick one i've never even heard the title of before <laughs> and jump in on that one so i ended up running across um this one i'd never heard of but i'd seen another movie this director has made actually so i almost went with the movie uh suicide club oh okay and but i i didn't go with that one the director uh Sion sono s-i-o-n-s-o-n-o Sion sono he did Suicide Club, but he also wrote and directed this movie. Wrote and directed this movie from 2015 called Tag. Mm, okay. This is another one that kind of harkens back to our time travel films episode where I don't want to say too much because there's a lot of great discoveries to be had yeah. in this story. It's an 80, 85 minutes. It moves at a clip. It's like... it. You're, you're not going to be bored with any moment of this movie. <laughs> and actually, to be honest, there's a little bit, not quite time travel, but time travel adjacent element to this one. Let me just tell you like, kind of like the opening scene to see if it, see if it hooks you here. Um, sure. So we have the main character, uh, Mitsuko. Um, I didn't write down the actress name. Apologies uh, to that or to that actress. But Mitsuko, she's kind of quiet, thoughtful. She's writing poetry on a bus. Uh, it's a school bus. Um, it doesn't look like a school bus. It looks like they're on a field trip, maybe a little bit fancier bus. But it's with all of her classmates, and they're all dressed in the matching you know, school uniform sort of thing. It's all girls on the bus. And they're all having a good time. Everybody's chatting. But she's just quietly writing poetry. So you get a sense of like who this character is on this whole bus. And she uh, drops the pen that she's writing with when one of her friends wants to like read some of her poetry, grabs the notebook. She drops her pen. She bends down to get her pen. And as she bends down to get her pen, her pen... Um, what seems to be the wind picks up and and blows over her bus. And as it does that, it cuts the entire top of the bus off and takes all of the upper sections of her classmates with it. Oh, my God. So everyone's dead. There's blood everywhere, but she is spared. Wow. So, like, that's an image, right? Yeah. Holy shit. What is going on here? <laughs> like the mystical, they're out in the woods, too. They're out like a country road. So, like, there's no, they're not like, you know, downtown, uh, you know, urban environment or anything. And so she's just like in shock, obviously, like this girl is traumatized Yeah, walking around and she hears the wind. She's like, well, what? And so she ducks and she sees another bus uh, get halved, you know, <laughs> she's like, well, shit. So she's like trying to get to the edge. So she's warning some other people. There's a couple other people out on like bikes, I think, or taking a hike and she's warning them. So you, you, you see some carnage in the first like seven minutes. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, kind of Tasha Miki level, honestly, like it's really over the top. Fair warning, though, it's also a bit of digital where you're like, okay, you're not using real blood here. I give this one a pass. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But 
so she ends up grabbing, uh, she goes down, she gets, so she escapes from that. She's down by a river and she sees even more bodies, but she's covered in blood and she grabs like some other clothing off another body that's clean. And so she puts on this, so she has a new you know, clean school outfit and then she ends up walking back and she gets to school and every one of her friends is at school. They're all totally fine. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so every few, you know, like you get little, little, little scenes, segments, full, you know, um, you know, like scenarios play out. And then all of a sudden she's like, wait, why is everything different again? And so you get this kind of, I'll give it a hint of like, maybe not quite groundhog day. Cause it's not repeating the same day, but more, maybe more like everything everywhere all at once. Okay. Like we're, like we're shifting amongst experiences. You can tell within the first 15, 20 minutes, like, wait, 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 what, how's everybody alive? Oh, okay. And then like another horrible thing happens and you're like, okay, what's going on? Oh, wait, now she's in downtown area and her hair's different. What's going on here? Yeah. It doesn't let you get your feet under you watching this movie until probably like the hour and 10 minute mark when it kind of starts telling you a little bit about maybe what's going on. The only other thing I want to mention is as, as you watch the movie, that opening bit, maybe the opening 15, 20 minutes, you're like, there's some, in my opinion, uncomfortable, like upskirt shots. Cause okay. Yeah. Japanese schoolgirls, the school uniform, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? Why are we doing this with a camera? <laughs> right. The director is doing something. There, he's doing something with why he's filming things the way he's filming it. And sure. I think there's a the reveal, which I'm not going to spoil at all here. I think the reveal gives it like a really interesting, another kind of like feminist horror bent to the script where you're like, oh shit. Like, okay, they're, they're doing something with this story. Yeah. And I, I, I really dug it because like I was just like jaw on the floor because like the, and the violence is over the top. Like, if yeah. you want some gore, if you want all that with your, your horror, it is in there. Some of it's comical, some of it's like great hand-to-hand combat, but uh, it, it, it'll definitely satisfy the gore out there. Again, it is mostly digital. So if you want the Tom Savini practical effects, eh, there's some there, happen. but yeah. it's mostly going to be digital. So so this would not be related to the like the late or 2018 tag with like John Hamm, I'm going to guess. <laughs> no, couldn't be farther from that. Honestly, I, I I don't really know why it's called tagged. I know it's based on um uh, a novel or maybe it was a manga. I forget, but it, it's based on other source material. Yeah. Um, And I don't know that that one was called tag, but <laughs> tag, we're doing a new story tag. We're doing a new story. Like maybe there's an element to that. Yeah. With it. But um. I caught it on 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 Tubi, uh, so it's out there. It's pretty easily available. Uh, no, no relation to that other movie <laughs> at all. <laughs> I will say, just because I was watching it on Tubi, which I, I I adore their deep dive into like a lot of catalog titles. But mm-hmm. man, their commercial breaks are at really, really inopportune times. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. No, I I will agree that. I mean, there's such a great service, uh, and it's free. But yeah, yeah you, you do got to suffer through the, uh, you gotta <laughs> the occasional ads. Right. Yeah. But uh, no, I highly recommend that one. Uh, what's uh, what, what's your, what did you pick for this watch challenge, Mike? So um, I uh, also, I wanted to like kind of expand a little bit and, you know, look at something that was, um, you know, maybe a little bit older, but uh, also um, it, it was, you know, a film that I had heard about. Uh, just by reputation, and uh, finally got to to watch it. Uh, I found it actually on Canopy for free. So, um, you know, another plug for another free uh, streaming service. But uh, I ended up watching uh, 1989's Tetsuo the Iron Man. 
Have you seen this one? Not in quite a while. Okay. Um, quite a uh, very unique mm-hmm. film, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just a hair over an hour. But uh, it really? is a... Yeah, it's only 67 minutes. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, it is a... It's a black and white, very low budget movie. Uh, basically, uh, you know, I'll give you the the IMDb um, um, synopsis. A businessman accidentally kills the metal fetish fetish ish uh, who gets revenge by slowly turning the man into a grotesque hybrid of flesh and rusty metal. Uh, so this is directed by Shinya Sukumoto. I'm probably butchering that terribly um but uh, a visual a visual stunner I, I will say i mean this was uh this was very very much lived up to its reputation of being a, a what the fuck kind of <laughs> kind of movie yeah um and it and kind of like hyper kind of kinky sexual in a way mm-hmm. uh you know as our as our man is being turned into the the iron man you know he he has this this lover and you know they have like these really like kind of kind of randy sex scenes but um but you know it basically some of the images of this film i think might kind of you know as ringu kind of haunted me i i think there's the image where you first see this like metal rod going into his the man's skin and you see like these these like maggots kind of eating at it. Um, it, it's just, yeah. I mean, it just kind of gave me the, uh, the willies, but, and I, once again, I would not consider myself an experimental expert, but, uh, you know, now having spent a lot of time with, uh, Cleveland Robert Banks, who does a lot of that stuff. Um, I think there was something about the, the style of, of the filmmaking that kept me, interested because there's not a ton of dialogue. Um, it's almost like a silent film in a way that I mean, there is dialogue, but that's, I don't think it's the point of the story that, that the filmmaker was trying to tell. It was more about, you know, showing that, that man can, you know, decisions that, that, that we make can sometimes have bad results for, <laughs> for, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that it is a part of a series uh, that you know, two two subsequent films were made from this that were a little, you know, they were they kind of went up a little bit in production value and and everything, but um, this was definitely, I think, it's worth seeing at least once, um, just so you can say you can kind of check that that off your cinematic, um, you know, uh, lists. Yeah, um, but results may vary based on your <laughs> your tastes. I would say. Yeah. Or tolerance for what you will watch in a movie. Yes. Maybe yes. Because, well. I mean, well, like I said, I mean, being that it is brief in its yeah. runtime, you know, it, it can be maybe a little more digestible for for some people. But, but some people might just turn it off and just, you know, probably think it's, you know, mindless garbage or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if you do give it a shot, and I would recommend giving it a shot. It, it I, I don't remember it too well, but I remember it scarring me. <laughs> kind of yeah. like you, were saying. you know, if you're if you're searching out horror, though, I feel like that's what you want. You want a memorable experience that you're like, I, I, I'm not sure what I just, I like 
some of the stuff I seek out in horror is like not really knowing how to process what I just watched sometimes. Yeah. The grand is sometimes I just want some 80 slasher tropes. That's totally fine too. But I think it's an interesting genre because it can really push the limits with like, like I said earlier, I was like watching um, audition the first time. I was like, I, I never thought of doing that on film. Like, holy shit. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, this one, I think by getting a visceral reality, like if you're a Cronenberg fan, I think we already mentioned once on the show, at least, uh, it's, it, it would definitely pique your interest. Um, I think there's some stuff here. Like I, like Cronenberg had to have seen this movie. Oh yeah. I don't know if it was in 89 or not, but like he had, definitely had to have seen this movie. Yeah. I remember I watched, this one was like a VHS watch. So it's been ages. And then Tetsuo two body hammer was like one of my early memories. I didn't see it when it came out, but it was programmed when I was in college there was a theater down the road that did um, cult stuff every weekend. And that was when I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? And then <laughs> so actually, yeah, I watched Tetsuo 2 first. And then we found um, in our film department, you could rent VHS and some DVDs. Um, and there, there we mentioned, oh, we saw Tetsuo 2 body hammer over the you know weekend or whatever. And then Mark, the guy that ran the department, he's like, oh, pff, here. And just handed <laughs> us the first one. We're like, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean especially if you want to expand your horizons as you're like picking out horror stuff to watch in october like definitely like this is a great one it's i feel like it's fairly easy to find um like you yeah. said canopy's got it uh for streaming free with a library card uh throw in some avant-garde stuff and see uh expand your horizons a little bit no absolutely i mean if it, it, it it's diff it's once again um very off off kilter and um you know, like I said, results may vary based on what, what your tastes are, but I, I would say give it a shot, you know, and uh, you, you just might find that you enjoy it. Well, I think you gave a good uh, kind of sample of Tetsuo. So people can either like, oh, that sounds interesting or, oh, God, no, pass, hard pass. So like, you know, like you said, mileage may vary, but, you know, know what you're getting into. That's just not a casual like, oh, this is a great, fun, you know, 90s, like Scream style meta horror movie from Hollywood. Like that is not what this one is. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to say before we, we start to kind of wrap up this episode, yeah. uh, um, the last one that we did about zombies, I was kind of called out for maybe looking at things too new. So I do want to give at least one little quick shout out to something that I do plan to watch over this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, just due to uh, a little bit of hectic schedule, I couldn't cross it off the list, but I, I just didn't want to end the episode without mentioning probably one of the most famous Japanese horror films, Anibaba. So that is is one, you know, from 1964. It's widely regarded as probably the best. And, uh, you know, it's, it's available on HBO Max. Uh, but it, there also is a very nice uh, criterion disc out there um, from what I've seen. Uh, but uh, so... Mr. Banks, uh, I, I at least gave you some, some historical uh, <laughs> picks there. <laughs> oh, I remember this poster. Yeah, I'm, I was just going to criterion real quick. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I haven't seen this though. That's good. I'll have to put that. Up. Yeah, I, I've I've just heard it's it's the best. I yeah, just yeah. time is always uh, my a, a great enemy. Right, right, right. <laughs> but our uh, so our official watch challenges for J Horror are tag from 2015. And Tetsuo from 1989. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? Up next, we are keeping with our, our month of horror shows going. It is October as we're putting out these episodes. Since we did were doing J-Horror, I had a couple other ideas in mind, but I was like, you know, let's 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 continue like a, a little world tour of horror mm -hmm. and dive into uh, Giallo uh, films. Giallo ah. horror, 
from uh, generally from Italy. If you're unfamiliar with that term, it's worth just a quick Google. We'll give you some some basic results. Uh, but you know, it's more of like a horror thriller, usually a murder mystery involved. Um, but again, it, we're we're trying out some different areas of horror within that genre around the world, just sort of seeing how other cultures you know, react to like how other cultures package, like the fears that are, you know, maybe within those cultures and how that might be kind of specific to different countries. If you'd like to send any of your picks, uh, if you, if you're like, Oh my God, Jolly, they got to watch this one, you know, please uh, send them our way. Uh, just follow the links that are in the show notes and wherever you're listening to this right now, there's going to be some active links for you to click on. Please. Uh, any recommendations? Uh, our schedules are a little bit freer now, so we'll have some time to dive in. Uh, these particular ones or if you'd just like to suggest topics as well uh, similar similar instructions follow those show notes and uh, we will uh, dive in with whatever you are submitting absolutely well until next time folks rate and review the show wherever you find it and we'll see you with the next challenge mm-hmm.